Hello and welcome to Black, Brown, and Bilingue, where our mission is to unite the black and brown communities through education, storytelling, and community engagement. The vision of Black, Brown, and Bilingue is to be part of creating a world in which Black and Brown identities are affirmed, bilingualism and biculturalism are nurtured, and equity is the driving force behind all that we do. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you are listening to this. We are extremely excited today to have with us a very special guest on Black, Brown, and Bilingue. Um, this young man, although he is not as young as he once was, um, uh, this young man is, uh, very near and dear to me. Um, he is the CEO, uh, of Kikifer's Entrepreneurial Academy, as well as, uh, Kikifer's, uh, beauty, uh, supply shop, first black owned beauty supply shop, uh, in Rockford, Illinois. Um, he is, um, also part of the Empower Couple. Uh, he is helping to run an investment group called Grindhouse Investment um, and uh, just doing so many more things. He is an author. He is a coach, uh, a CEO. He's a father. He's a, a, a director, uh, like I said, at a school building. And um, uh, perhaps most importantly to me, and depending on when you ask me, perhaps most frighteningly, uh, he is my <laughs> older brother. Um, and uh, so we're so excited to have uh, Henry, uh, brother Henry is what you'll see him on social media. Um, I knew him as, as, as Henry McDavid. Um, let's, let's start right there. Um, welcome man. Tell us a little bit about, um, brother Henry. Um, cause I love that. I love to, to see it out there. Uh, there's a connectedness that comes with that. Can you tell us a little bit more about, um, you know, brother Henry versus, versus Henry McDavid versus, uh, some other, uh, aliases that you may have most of those aliases are so the police can't catch me um <laughs> no <laughs> um you know uh just uh at this point of um pushing entrepreneurship and um you know what what i'm not i'm not that interesting of a person um i just believe that um man you can you can really change your life for the better and you can help other people change their lives and i believe in giving people those tools to change their lives so as you see um my little brother is maurice of course he has his own podcast i'll give you a warm round of applause for that having your own podcast and uh hopefully my people can hook you up and expand um expand your viewer base as well so remind me to talk to you about that but um keep that in the show don't edit that out um (laughs) um you know uh i tried to get into entrepreneurship my whole life, um, if you read my book, right, um, when I was younger, I had a connect, which was my cousins. I won't say how legal it was, but I used to sell candy at my high school. I didn't have any books in my locker. I just had a big duffel bag full of candy. And um, I sold to the teachers, the administration, the security, the, the teacher, the uh, students. I was probably making about 60 to to $100 a day selling candy at my locker. If you went to my locker, there was just a uh, like a, a sheet of paper with all the different things I sold. And uh, <laughs> I had no clue what entrepreneurship was. <laughs> I didn't really know what it was. I just knew that, hey, I like this idea and this feeling. 
And uh, it didn't last for long because the connect ended up getting terminated. Um, <laughs> but, but while I had it, um, man, it, it was a great feeling. And as I got older, uh, probably like around 1920, no, no, maybe about 2021. Uh, um, I, me and a couple of friends started a DJ in service and I uh, had no clue how to run a business or operate a business, but we got booked for gigs and we have fun. We didn't make any money, but we have fun. Um, we also started a cleaning service, the refined image company. Um, we never got any cleaning gigs, <laughs> but we started the company. Uh, I used to sell uh, body oils, different things. So lots of stuff in, in the entrepreneurial world, just no guidance, no understanding of how to uh, be in business. And then um, even after that, uh, when we bought our first house, I probably spent thousands, like probably about 10,000 on uh, first. The first me and my wife did water. We did a water business and we got five gallon jugs of water from a water company. And the first day was amazing. We sold so many jugs of water. I was like, this is going to be awesome. But because I didn't know how to do a market analysis or target market, um, after the first day, when all everybody in my warm market had bottles, jugs of water, I had nobody to sell to. So <laughs> $5,000 in water just sitting in my basement <laughs> with nowhere to go because I don't know how to move the water because I didn't even cross my mind. I don't have a market to sell to. Um, so then I took another 5000 and, and purchased clothes and purses and things. One of my friends in Chicago uh, had a shop on the west side and got us all these clothes wholesale. And it was amazing. It was lovely. I had just moved to Rockford. It's like, oh, I'm about to sell all these clothes and I'm come up. And then, uh, yeah, I got all these clothes and uh, they just sat there. I started doing purse parties and things, but I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a market. I didn't know how to do a target market analysis. I didn't know anybody in the city where I live. So another $5,000 down the drain. And um, that was the story up until me and my wife started our product line, which we call Kikafer's Obsidian. We learned a lot about business. We began to um, to grow. I had a business partner. I was learning some things. My product got so popular. Uh, I got a meeting set up with Walmart. And actually, all of the eight local Walmarts to our area wanted our product in their store. I went to a meeting. It was all good. And right as the store uh, manager signed a contract to put our product in the store, my business partner, who I had at the time, tried to snake us. So that deal ended up going down the drain and we had to leave with nothing. And so the only thing we left with was our name. And so um, and the deal never went down with Walmart, even though they signed a contract. We didn't get the deal with Walmart um, because the manufacturer at that time, we weren't manufacturing our own product. Um, he was his eyes got way too green. Um, but I won't give him the credit of saying his name on here. Uh, then uh, we left, went and found another uh, person that was going to invest in our product line. That, that they heard about it, said it was good. But um, that person never had the money to invest. <laughs> so after a long string of being sent off, me and the wife decided we're just going to put our own money up and do our own thing. And from putting our own money up, doing our own thing, traveling, we, we took our product and got our product in stores in Chicago, Milwaukee, Indianapolis. Uh, Rockford was the last place we did, um, but it's all over the Midwest. We travel airplanes, um, vending shows, hitting shows, selling our product. Um, then right when we got to like the point of like, we got to figure this thing out, we got to give, take it bigger. Uh, that's when we opened up the beauty supply store. And uh, of course, the beauty supply store, the beauty supply store carries our brand from the beauty supply store. We're able to open up salons and other businesses. 
Um, and then, of course, from there also, we started the school. And now the school is the premier. Like the school is everything that we do. The school is revolutionizing education across the country. Um, and, to, and to close this point out, just this past Saturday, uh, we did a press conference. We just we just were awarded uh, one million dollars in property for the school so we can have a new campus. And um, you probably wow. seen it on Facebook. I don't have it here with me. It's actually at the school. But we just got an award from the state of Illinois um, because we are the only um, black owned private school whose status level is recognized by the Illinois State Board of Education. And so we got this prestigious award that. I guess no other black organizations as far as education go have ever received because we're the first. So um, that's amazing. And the school is uh, the school is just amazing on so many levels. It's so much bigger than me and my wife right now. Uh, it's just amazing. We're definitely going to produce some millionaires out of this school. Um, of course, ourselves. Now, we, we definitely as the founders get the bag. But um, our, our goal right now in the next two semesters is to produce a student that is at least making six figures, right? And then our goal, our two to three year goal is to produce our first millionaire student out of the school. So super excited about what's going on with that. Wow, you just, you said a lot. I really appreciate you sharing all of the struggles because I think oftentimes when we hear about the success stories, people tend to leave out all the challenges that come along the way, right? Like. And, and even just people, we see the glow up or the come up, but we don't see, you know, all that it took to get there. Right. So I definitely appreciate because it is a lot of work. It is a lot of dedication. And like you said, you learned that without that market analysis, you really didn't have, you know, people to buy your products. So you touched up on a lot of really important points. But I want to bring it back to you're a published author now. And your goal is to sell 500,000 books. What inspired you to write the book? And can you tell us a little bit about that writing process? Absolutely. Um, so I'll start at the front and kind of work back. So in our school, right, we have an entrepreneur-based school um, that's far from traditional. All of our students are required to write a minimum of one book a year, right? And this that idea came out of this idea because one of my mentors, who's almost a billionaire, um, he, he came and he taught at our school not too long ago. And he, he told the students that in order for you to have an official brand, you have to have a book. Like if you, you don't see any, you don't see any business minded, um, like moguls or icons that don't have a book. So whether it's like Tony Robbins or Eric Thomas or Les Brown or, you know, Gary V or whoever it is you're going to, Grant Cardone, all of them have books. And there's a reason they have a book. A book is your brand, right? A book is like the manifesto of your brand. So every brand needs a book, right? So that's, and that's, that's one of the main things we teach the children at our school is, yes, we're going to help you start your business, but we can help give you a cheat sheet by helping you to produce a book. So now we're doing, we're doing QuickBooks, not, not the QuickBooks series, <laughs> not the computer software, but some of our clients that are adults, we help to produce books within like two weeks. So you can have a book for your brand. We can help you get it out there and market it. So to answer your question and going back, this book that, that I just put out, which is probably the first book, it's the first book released. Did I release it this year or last year? Whenever I released it, um, I probably had like six more books coming out this year, right? Maybe seven, maybe eight more books coming out this year. Um, and I actually wrote this book 
the one that just came out, Three Jewels. I wrote that book uh, a couple years ago. And it's, it's key for entrepreneurs because I wrote it for entrepreneurs. So it's, it's comedy mixed with, with, with knowledge. And at the time period I wrote it, I, I don't think I could write that book today because I'm in a different place, right? Like that was like me in the beginning of my struggle. So you'll see me, you'll see in the book, there's a little clue. It says, as I'm writing this, my daughter's about to turn nine. Well, my daughter's 11 right now, <laughs> right? So I wrote this book a few years back and that book actually captured all of the beginning stages I was going through in entrepreneurship. Like we had, we, we, we created the beauty supply store, but we weren't making sales. Like we weren't making, we weren't making money. <laughs> like we have beauty supply store. Even to this day, it don't make a lot of money, but it's a good status. It's a good thing to have to boost you and boost your resume. Right. Um, but that book actually captured where I was at in time as far as the struggles I was going through. Cause I was going through a lot of struggles. And I just realized that all entrepreneurs can relate to this struggle of, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough connects. I don't have enough resources. I don't know the right people. I don't have a big enough team. I don't know who to trust. I don't know how to get to the next stage. So, um, that book is, is, is very good. Um, and that was the process. I wrote that book a few years ago. And so the other books I have coming out, you'll see they're a little bit more, um, they're a little bit more advanced. I think my little brother Maurice made my, my, my book, my first book from three years ago. There's a story about a cracker in there. He'll tell you about it later. Uh, but it's in the book though. Bro, <laughs> so you definitely, <laughs> you definitely want to get the book to hear the story about the cracker and the tattoo. Uh, <laughs> if nothing else, that's the greatest reason to get this book. I put that story in there because it related to a principle I was trying to teach. Yeah, not, you know what? I, I just bought the book. I haven't had a chance to read it, but now I definitely am going to put it <laughs> out on my priority list to read because I want to know. I might just find that part. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's a chapter on pain and pleasure. <laughs> so you read it. You'll hear the story about my little brother. And, you know, as children, we're dumb sometimes. We just be like, let me just do something. And then you just do it. Then there's consequences. Um. There's another story in there about my wife. When we first got married, mind you, I only had two younger brothers growing up. So all I really know is like pranks and like what not to do, especially with a wife. So long story short, wife was taking a shower one day and uh, I don't know, something just told me go in the kitchen, fill up the Kool-Aid jug with ice cold water, <laughs> go in the shower, dump it on her while she's in the shower. <laughs> so that's what I did. And uh, it was hilarious, and I never laughed so hard before in my life. But the lesson I learned was that uh, after, like, I don't know, three or four months had passed, and I kind of forgot about it, she knocked on the bathroom door and asked me could she get a towel. And I said, sure, come in, get the towel. And when she came in, there was a similar process to hers. The lights went out. and Because that's what I did to her. I turned the lights out so she wouldn't know what was going on. And the moment the lights went out, my heart dropped because I knew this was this is what I earned three or four months ago. But women, you know, the Bible, what does the Bible say? Something like hell have no fury like a woman's score. Women, they're better at this than we are. I just, I learned that day. So the lights went out. And of course, cold water, ice cold water with ice cubes comes over the top of the shower. And I'm freezing and I'm thinking it's over. Then another one comes. Then another one and another one. Then now there's ice cubes all in the shower. I'm freezing, trying to, I'm screaming like a girl, trying to like slip and fall all over the place. I try to get back into the warm water because the lights were out. I didn't see that. She also turned the shower water cold. <laughs> so I jumped back in the water. The shower water is ice cold. 
That was the last time I pranked my wife, needless to say. Uh, we've been prank-free now for about 14 years. <laughs> so... I'm glad you yeah. acknowledge that women do it better, though. <laughs> yes, I, 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 can, I, can, I can admit that. Uh, there's no shame in my game. I learned the hard way, but I put it in the book so my you can laugh at my pain, like Kevin Hart said. Henry, um, t- tell me, you know, again, you, you kind of walked us through this journey, and I think um, it's really important that you said, you know, even when you write that book captures different moments of your life, right? Um, how I'm feeling right now at this part. In this entrepreneurial journey, um, what has been perhaps the most challenging piece or some of the more challenging pieces? But I know also, uh, I've heard you talk about it. What, what What's kind of the, the best part? What's the joy of being an entrepreneur? Um, let's start from the beginning. The joy is definitely making money above and beyond anything. If you go into business and you go into business to not make money, you're not going to make money. So yes, every entrepreneur wants to help people. Every entrepreneur wants to be a good philanthropist. Every entrepreneur wants to give back. All of that costs money. So above and beyond, set yourself up to make money. It don't, you know, a lot of times, especially black community, brown community, we get taught negatively. We have a, a negative money consciousness where we feel bad about making money. Like we say stuff like that person's filthy rich, but being rich has nothing to do with being filthy. Right. So above and beyond anything, be sure to set yourself up to make money and, and dream big. Um, but in that, in that question, um, uh, along the way, what, what was the question? Re- repeat the question. It was just uh, what what maybe has was kind of that biggest struggle, and then was what's that joy? Ah, yes, 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 yes. Um, so I can honestly tell you that the biggest struggle, and this is something that you know I do one on one business coaching for. I have a lot of clients. Um, one of the biggest struggles that most entrepreneurs suffer from, especially in our communities, is that we don't understand the principle of building momentum. It's not easy. It's not sexy. It's not appealing. We think that because I wrote a book, my book's just supposed to sell. Or I got a podcast, everybody's going to watch it. Or I got this beauty supply store, now everybody's going to come shop in my store. That's not how the real world works, right? We don't understand that in order to find success in entrepreneurship, you have to build momentum, right? And because we've never, like, this is not something they teach in school, right? You can't go to, I don't care how many college courses you take, they don't teach on momentum, right? It's a spiritual principle, but it's also um, real life business application. I literally teach this to all of my clients. And so the best way I can put it um, is if you look at the way atoms work, right? Like a single atom in space, right? Like if it's just one atom, as as that atom, if if it's in a state of inertia, it's not going anywhere. And if your business is in a state of inertia, it's not going anywhere. If you're not doing nothing, talking to nobody, seeing anybody, your business isn't going anywhere, right? If that atom if a force pushes that atom and it begins to spin, it begins to vibrate, right? As that atom begins to vibrate or, or spin, it starts off very slowly, extremely slowly. That's how business is. You're like the atom. You start off extremely slow. Like, man, I got one sale today, right? <laughs> and we, we, we disappointed because we wanted the bag on day one. Like, we want to jump to step 10 when we should be on step two, right? Because the bag is on step 10. But we don't understand if you don't do step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, you're going to have a bad foundation. You're going to jump to 10 and fail. Right. And so building momentum is one of the hardest things. Um, that single atom, as the atom begins to rotate in the beginning, 
Um, and I don't mean to take y'all to science class, but this is a this is free consultation right here. I charge for this information, right? In the beginning, the atom has these two forces, right? Centripetal force and centripetal force, right? In the beginning, it's like when you take the water out of your bathtub, and when you when you pull the the, uh, the stopper out, and the water begins to spin. At first, it's very slow, right? It's a slow motion, right? The water you can hear it, but you can't see it, right? The water's starting a little spinny tornado thing, right? So when it first starts off. The water is creating its own force. Like it's, 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 it's grabbing it what it needs in order to create this force to pull the water down. After a certain point, when it builds, when it gets strong enough, cause it's building momentum. As it builds more momentum, it expands and now it doesn't have to pull things. Now things are automatically drawn to it. And so in business, it business operates the same way. In the beginning, you got to go find that person. You got to go find the person that can help get your name out there. You got to go find the person that can help you do this, help you do that, help you do this. As you begin to build momentum, people will be drawn to you, right? So one of the things that's pretty interesting about our school, I think to this to, the, to date, last semester and this semester combined, we probably had maybe 20, 21, 22 guest speakers at the school. Uh, we usually have, try to have like three a week. And we brought in billionaires. We brought in millionaires. We brought in CEOs. We brought in people that just started their business, but we brought in highly successful people, right? We probably had close to nearly a billion dollars worth of information on our show on our at our school and um people were asked well how did you how did you get this type of network well i didn't have that network in the beginning <laughs> in the beginning my network was the brother across the street hey man i'm gonna at you right it was facebook it was only facebook only instagram it was only who i could reach as the business began to grow as we started you know we just got an award for the 2020 business of the year well that type of prestige, that type of award will now bring people to it. What are you doing? I want to see. And those people will bring you other people. So now I'm at the point where there's a lot of millionaires who are interested in what we're doing, right? Because it's so revolutionary. It's so new. It's so different from what's been done that folks are trying to put their they stake in. How can I help? How can I bring resources? What things can I do? And so now at this point, I don't have to uh, go look as much for people to help. They'll come to me, right? And I still go look for people to help because I'm not going to sit around and wait, but you just never know what type of blessings come. Uh, and that's the joy. The joy is actually seeing the growth of your business like every day like that. For me, every little small bit of progress is extremely joyful. You really are dropping jewels today. Wow. <laughs> yep, so yep, that'll be 1999 for. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing that you mentioned that you started off with was we have a really, I know at least in the Brown community, we're looked down upon if we, if we talk about, you know, wanting to get rich or wanting to get paid, we're almost humble to a fault. You know, we don't want to talk about becoming millionaires because then you're seen as, you know, greedy or selfish, but you know, money is essential, especially when you're trying to elevate your own communities you need that money. Like, how can we just sit being humble and kicking back isn't going to get us anywhere. And, you know, for me as a, as a Brown woman, I feel like it's that double whammy where not only am I humble to a fault because of culturally, you know, my parents always instilled humility in me, but then as women on top of that, you very seldomly hear women talking about, you know, I'm trying to get paid. I'm trying to, you know, get the bag. So uh, that really resonated with me. Um, and then, Secondly, um, 
who do you turn to mentorship? Because like you are providing mentorship to your students. But like you said, we all need a network and we all can't operate in a silo. Who have been some of your greatest mentors that help you get to where you are right now? Ah, long list of mentors. So I have mentors in different areas, right? Like spiritually, like I'm in a nation. So of course, Minister Farrakhan has been like the rock of my life. Um, uh, and, and within that, within that, um, organization, uh, when I first started business, I was able to go to other couples who were in business and ask all these different questions. So I was able to get mentorship to kind of help boost me to what I should be looking for to get to the next level. Um, but as I, as I step out of my comfort zone, which is something that a lot of us, you know, we, we talk about making money, but if, if it's, if making money is outside of our comfort zone, then we're like, eh, the money inside the comfort zone is good, right? Um, I picked up in particular, one of the greatest mentors to affect my life is a brother named, uh, Professor Devin Robinson. He is, I think last time he was making about 15 million a year on slow end. So he's doing all right. Um, he literally, uh, was our personal mentor for me and my wife. We opened up our beauty supply store and, uh, we paid to have his consulting team, uh, his consulting group to coach us, to train us, to teach us. Um, and, from their training, it literally boosted us so far ahead. Like when I first started putting my name out there, I didn't realize the advantage I had from having this mentorship group. Like I would get invited to go speak at like a, like a business workshop and the stuff that other people were talking about that they just discovered after like 10 years in business. I'm like, oh, they told me that on day one. So having that type of coach and mentor, having the right coach, the right mentor that can take you to the next level is life changing. Like most people don't know right now. Um, I have Professor Devin, uh, A. Donahue Baker, who's one of our partners. He's over a hundred million dollars. He, you can look if you Google A. Donahue Baker and go to his website, you'll understand the type of people I'm talking about. Um, he owns 534 doors in real estate. He only does like hundred door apartment buildings. Um, he's helped business owners raise over $394 million. Um, he's created over 131 millionaires himself. Oh, and by the way, he's also a partner with us in the school, Money App Bank. Make sure you go to Money App Bank and get your account. That little commercial break, right? Um, but people like him are phenomenal. Um, Antonio Smith Jr. Real quick, ATSU. Can we get paid yeah. for that plug? Like for having a plug? I mean, you know, <laughs> you never know, you know. Uh let the little let the little ticker go across the bottom of the screen with the with the uh, website, you know. Um but no, they, look, he just put this, this, that guy, A. Donahue Baker, he just released a fintech bank that just came out in February. Um, that's competing with like China and stuff like that, but it's black owned. And if you get an account, the whole purpose of getting your accounts there is to help you build generational wealth. Not to mention, they're also putting together courses for our school on credit, real estate, um, business credit, uh, financial literacy, all that, like, and these are multimillionaires helping us with that. So that's going to be dope. Um, but other mentors, uh, Antonio Smith Jr., he actually spoke at my school. He's almost a billionaire. Um, he is phenomenal. I'm part of his uh, speakers bureau. And um, wow, like these people are, these are some phenomenal people. Um, then I have other mentors as well. I'm trying to think of names. Those are the, those are the big ones. Those are the big ones. Professor Devin, Antonio Smith Jr., um, A. Donahue Baker. These are people that are phenomenal people. And, and the, the, Two, two things happen when you get these mentors. Number one, it lets you know that you're not far off from your dreams. Like 
I told my little brother Maurice, I said, you know, we'll probably make about five million this year. And the first time I started thinking about that, I was like, uh, it seems almost impossible. Like it's 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 so out of reach. But as I talked to my mentors and they showed me how easy it is to make money and you know how to create assets out of thin air, um, you literally look at it and you're like, wow, five million dollars is not enough money. <laughs> like I, I understand why now people will be worth 50 million and will work 16 hour days because you start realizing there's these different levels. And it's not at a certain point, it's not about the money. It's about your passion, what you love to do. It's about like positioning a legacy for your family. So um, those, those are some of my mentors though, that have been good mentors to me. I got a sister on our school board named um, Tiffany Spates. She's a millionaire also. She's a, a real estate investor. She's my daughter's mentor. Um, then I got another brother named Jared Ballot. Uh, I work for his insurance company um, and he's almost a millionaire. He's also my daughter's mentor. So you can kind of see this pattern that's going of like, no, we believe in having mentors and coaches is of the utmost importance to take you to the next level. I've got to be honest. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I, I listen, I, I made me a little come up during the um, COVID. I got this little principal job and um, income, you know, was was nice. But I, I all of a sudden I feel like I'm not doing enough. <laughs> You're not. Here's what I told Maurice. A salary makes you a slave. Like you're literally stuck. Like the moment you get tied up in a salary, that's it. You're you're comfortable. You don't feel that pressure. You're not gonna grind as hard. You're not gonna be as focused because you think you've arrived. Like a salary, that's well, how Go well, ahead. okay. Let me let me let me add to that though. I agree with what you're saying, but let me put this like little asterisk next to it. Um, because we own, because we're owners, we get to set our own salary. So like for next year, my salary, I set a salary within the school so that that way, you know, we, as we function, we get paid for what we actually do. Mm -hmm. Um, so my salary for next year would be like 200,000 and my wife's salary would be 200,000. And then we also get to create our own job title. So if you're in that type of position, when yeah, that's different. Yeah, I'm talking about the salary that Maurice and I have. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a salary for us. Right. It's like part of a, another system that really isn't benefiting. Yeah, if you don't own the system, you have to submit to what's in the system. But exactly. if you create your own system, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so, so then that's where I want to jump to next here real quick. Because, and then I'm going to come back to, 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 this idea of entrepreneurs in general, but, but you are, uh, what, what is your official title for, for, uh, Kikafer's, uh, entrepreneurial academy? Um, I am the co-founder and chairman. Co-founder and chairman. You sound fancy. Yeah. First off, I want to congratulate you on the fancy yes, titles. You know, um, <laughs> I should have said chairman. But, yes. but, um, <laughs> what, what motivated you in in the middle of of of, of business uh, of entrepreneurship? I, I don't know that people always think of education as part of that process. So, what motivated you to start Kika First Entrepreneurial Academy? Like, what was that that process? Um. So, the, honestly, <laughs> we tell this story every every time we tell this story, people look at us like it's just luck. No, it's not luck, but unless you mean the labor under correct knowledge, that's what luck stands for. Um, so, you know, we had a beauty supply store, right? And 
there's our beauty supply store has two floors. The beauty supply store is on the first floor. The second floor is open space. Like we were doing it for like a conference. So we would have like meetings or, you know, workshops or baby showers or young teenagers would throw parties and stuff. So we have our second floor and we realized me and my wife one day sat around. We were discussing because we were broke. Um, <laughs> we were discussing how can we make money Monday through Friday in the daytime with all that space we have upstairs? Like we have thousands of square feet that we're not making money off of. So, um, we, we had this first idea, like, let's do a school. And then we went through all the logistics it takes to run a school. And we was like, nah, we shut that idea down. Like <laughs> we can't afford to run a school. Right. So, um, what actually happened, two things happened. I started having hosting at the, uh, this conference center. We had the state of black Rockford town hall meetings. Right. And I was polling the community and I was asking, well, what type of things can we do to help the community? Like, what's the number one thing we can do right now as business owners to help the community? And everybody's response was, you need to do something in education. And if you look at the statistics, uh, Forbes put out a report not too long ago, a few years back, that said Rockford had the third worst educational system in the country behind Stockton, California. And I forget the other city, but there's only two cities with a worst educational system. And then when you go to IllinoisReportCard.com, you start looking at the numbers for all the high schools and how the students perform. You're like, wow, all four high schools are labeled national dropout factors, meaning you have 60% less seniors than you have freshmen that that actually. So you only had like a 50% graduation rate. That's only 50% of the 40% that made it to senior year, right? So you're looking at like a 20% overall graduation rate when you break it down, like, which is insane. Students just don't graduate here. Like, I don't know if a monster swallowing children or like if they're being... <laughs> The, the men in black things are like, whoop, whoop. And they're, they're like, lose. I don't know what's happening, but children are not being educated, um, which let us understand there's a huge market for education, right? My At the same time I'm holding, having these meetings, I come back and my wife tells me she met with a sister who had a school and she, she ran this school without teachers. So we're like, wait, that sounds revolutionary, running a school without teachers. So we learn more about the system. How can we run a school without teachers? So then we said, okay, now... We're on to something because now we realize we can run a school without teachers. Like if we can run a school without teachers, that's the biggest expense, payroll. If we don't have to pay payroll, we can run a school, right? But it 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 needed more. So me and my wife, we were brainstorming and um we came up with this idea. And I'm like, well, what if we add entrepreneurship to the school? Because I was doing entrepreneurship workshops every month and I had clients and I, I was doing, you know, business coaching. So I'm like, what if we add entrepreneurship to the school? We said, all right, that's good, but there's already schools out there to teach entrepreneurship or some, some, to some degree. So what else can we do? Well, what if our students become published authors, right? And so the, the, the things that we did in the school, the list just kept growing. So we got to a certain point and I was like, okay. So we had, we, we brainstormed, um, in June of 2019. We produced a flyer in July, got our first, um, got our first, uh, students and we opened the school with seven students above our beauty supply store. And it's so interesting. The beauty supply store was open. We were having school upstairs. Whenever whenever my alarm went off on my phone and say customers were downstairs, I would run downstairs, ring a customer up while my wife was still upstairs teaching, get the customer taken care of and run back upstairs to teach the school. And literally the whole first semester, that's what happened. And um, we literally outgrew the space the first semester we were there. Like it was a good starting point. We outgrew the space and the school literally has been growing leaps and bounds since then. We just got that award, business of the year awards, um, all kind of stuff from that point. But we started on the second floor of a beauty supply store next to my inventory room, next to my personal office. Um, 
and we took the little space that we had. And actually, if you go watch the old news clips, when the news came out, you can see how we decorated it and we made it look like an actual classroom. And uh, we did the best we could with what we had. So we were living examples of the book, The Power of Broke by Damon John. <laughs> we was broke, but we made it look like something. So that's where the idea of the school came from. And from there, now we have like scholarship doctors. Now we have tutors. Now, of course, we get title funding. Now, of course, um, we have, and when I say scholarship doctor, we have a sister who gets scholarships for children from the ages of four all the way to like 99. Um, well, now we have mental health and wellness. We have black history year round. We have STEM courses. We have, um, of course, all of our children just published their books last week. So we had all of our children in our school are all published authors. Um, geez, what else? There's more stuff to it than that. Um, but it just, it just, it's grown and compounded on itself. So. That's tremendous. Congratulations. Like that Thanks. is, that is incredible. And, um, you know, you're hustling. I do want to take it here, though, Maurice. I don't know how you feel about this, but you mentioned that you are part of the nation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, you know, Maurice and I talk about, you know, I believe that one of my dreams would be to have like all Latino school with all Latino teachers with an all Latino curriculum. Um and, uh, you know, Maurice, you know, he, he's kind of on the other, he's on the fence. And I'm like, no, it's absolutely necessary. But another piece that we talk about, though, too, is um, the Black-Brown divide. Do you uh, think, though, that there could be unity between the Black and Brown communities from your perspective as part of the nation? And be honest. Well, you know, the nation we have, an entire Latino community. We have student ministers, we have captains, we have lieutenants, we have that, you know, one of the things about the nation, which is it's one of the best places to view the nation is Los Angeles. Because in Los Angeles, where you have this big black brown divide, you have a huge black brown unity um, structure in the nation that you can see. Um, you can see it in Chicago as well. Um, but, you know, that this myth about this black brown divide is because, you know, we were told that we're different people, you know, but when you go look in the history books, you start finding out, oh, we, we the same people. We just was either boats dropped us off at different locations or we was oppressed and conquered at different in different lands, but we was oppressed and conquered at the same time. So in my so put it like this on my in my school, um, we did we did just get our first student who's not black or brown. So that's interesting for me. That's that's <laughs> that's a uh, interesting thing for me. But all of my students are either black or brown. Like it's just that's what it is. And even on my business team, my copywriter is Spanish. Um, my IT is Spanish. Like I have these. So for me, you know, um, a, a all Latin school with the Latin. Here's the thing about it. Right. Because somebody asked me, like the nation has MUI. Right. Um, and I didn't produce an MUI when I'm on school. And the thing about it is I don't necessarily need my school to be a hundred percent black right and i don't i mean let me let me say this properly it's not so it's all about controlling the narrative right if i i control the narrative in my school so if if i have a little girl that eight that's eight years old named destiny her mother is puerto rican and her father's black right but her mother's like huge puerto rican pride and she's puerto rico everything right and she jumps on our, she jumps on like some of the Zoom calls on our days when we're virtual. 
and uh, she learns, right? Because the narrative, the narrative is not this narrative of like, oh, these are dirty people we should throw paper towels at. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you control the narrative, you can have a Latin run school with a Latin based curriculum that teaches your people about your people. And then when other people come, either they're going to, they're, they're either going to feel really uncomfortable <laughs> if they come, right? Or they're going to submit to like, hey, what you're teaching is true. You know what I mean? And so my school isn't 100% black, but I control the narrative. So since I control the narrative, it doesn't matter. Like nobody can come G-check me on what I'm, on what I'm teaching. Like they can't come say, oh, you just, you, 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 like right now we're, we're having this conversation with the students. Did dinosaurs ever exist? Right. Or did black people exist? That's one of our, that's one of our critical thinking conversations. Like nobody can come G-check me on what I'm teaching in the school. Cause if you don't like it, get your own school. Right. <laughs> if you don't like what I'm teaching in mine, get your own. If you don't like the way mine operates, get your own. If you don't like the way I do things, get your own. Or there's always public school. So you, people, I make people weigh the differences. You can send your child there where they won't get educated or send them here where they're going to become a critical thinker, a leader, a learner, make money while they're in school, possibly six figures, seven figures. Like, what do you, what's the, what's the, what means the most to you? So you absolutely can do it. And I'll tell you this, sis, if you want to do it, all you got to do is just start doing it. Like, I know it's the most generic advice ever. No, for no, it's, it really isn't. It really isn't because I, I love Oprah. Maurice knows this and I talk about it frequently, but there was this one, uh, podcast episode where she talked about or this guest talked about how if you can envision if you can dream it that means you have the capacity within you to achieve it absolutely you wouldn't be able to have these thoughts and these dreams and these aspirations if you didn't have the capacity uh, within you to get there um and so that doesn't sound cliche at all it it sounds you know spot on absolutely napoleon hill said it think and grow rich if you can if you conceive it and you believe it you can achieve it and that's literally like I make I make all of my clients that do business coaching with me. I make everybody rethink and grow rich like one chapter at a time and give me reports, because if you peer, if you if you take that book and parse it apart and then you apply it, you can do anything. There's nothing that you can't do business wise. Like if you have the idea, the heart, the, the fun part, not the heart. It's hard, but it's fun. The fun part about entrepreneurship is solving problems. Like how do I okay, like we our problem was we couldn't afford teachers right now. Not right now. Right now, we still only have three teachers, right? But we have virtual, we have in-person, we have a huge, like, we have a huge supporting staff, right? Um, next semester, we'll have, like, 15 or 20, something like that, right? But we'll also have, like, 600 to 1,000 students also. So, um, but it's it's about the increments, right? Start at stage one and then work your way through. Even if even if it starts as something as super small as if you commit to it, other people will commit to it. But people have to believe in your vision. They have to believe that you believe. So once they say you believe in it, other people will come believe in it also. Perfect. That's almost like the perfect way to end it. But because <laughs> we always end each episode with, you know, what is the one thing you want our listeners to walk away with? Yeah. It, it, it does make me think of, of um, one of our previous guests who said his advice was do it afraid. Mm-hmm. Do it afraid. And, and that's that's. um. I think you've talked uh, well about the the discomfort, right, of leaving um, what you know and and a consistent paycheck and going out and and hearing about those struggles and that failure and the money that you put into stuff that didn't have a return. So beautiful. We truly appreciate you coming on today. Um, um, I'm really excited to release this episode. I I think I I wanted to I wanted to promote and share my book. 
So I ran to my store to go pick some up, but I realized they're all sold out. So oh, oh, I'll, send, okay. I'll, I'll send you the link though, and you can send people the link and they can still order it online. So <laughs> one more time, Henry, what's that book called? The name of the book is called Free Jewels. It's in the Lulu bookstore. And now I'm gonna I'm gonna actually it's on Amazon, but I'm gonna make it private so nobody can get to it. Cause I only want the audio book to be sold on Amazon. Um, and plus Amazon for any authors out there watching Amazon takes 40% cut of your profits. So if you're an independent or a self-published author, selling on Amazon is not smart. Sell it yourself for every one book I sell. It equals like selling three or four books on Amazon. So I sell a hundred. I just really just sold 500 books. <laughs> right. So that's something, but I'll send you the link, but it's called free common spelling jewels. Common spelling, Jules is J E W E L S. Yeah, free yeah. Jules. It's an entrepreneur resource guide. It is hilarious, um, and it's also filled with knowledge. And um, it's great for entrepreneurs, especially if you're in your beginning stages, your starting stages, or if you're just aspiring to, to scale your business, because it shows you how we started, how we, you know, went all the way through this process. And um, yeah, and, and oh, I'm sorry, my daughter also has a book out called Detective Maya which you can look up and her book just came out. So at 11 years old, she published her first book. It's a hundred page novel, a mystery, hundred page mystery novel, um, detective Maya in the case of the missing book. And then my wife also has a series of books called the mathematicians. Um, you can find all these books in the Lulu bookstore. And my wife actually releases, she was doing one book a month, but I think this month she said she's putting out five books. And so you'll be able to get that. And it's a series of black superheroes who, they go through and they solve math to defeat the evil math cruncher. And the math cruncher is trying to crunch math problems up. And so she, they have to learn addition in order to defeat them. They have to learn subtraction, place value, those types of things. So pretty dope. Pretty dope. Uh, you'll see it in some of your schools, actually. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, everybody in my family publishes books, though. That's what we do. Wonderful. It was so nice to meet you. Um, thank you for joining us today on uh, Black, Brown, and Bilingue. I am one of your hosts, Lisa Jacobson. And I'm your other host, Maurice McDavid. Muchas gracias for tuning in. Adios. Mm-hmm.